0: Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L.
1: This is Amber.
0: Okay, so I'm only allowed to talk about 10 seconds about this, but I want to put some context here. You might hear a couple of sniffles through the show. You might hear a cough. I apologize. I'm under the weather right now, and I'm nursing this sucker. I'm on the tail end of it, but you know how that works. Okay, I'm done. Now, Amber, move on.
1: Scott's always sick.
0: God I am always sick. I'm dying. I'm don't know i dying here. I don't know what's wrong God. with me.
1: And it's not COVID because you've had your 10,000th COVID test. I had another
0: one done. I <laughs> had two more. Technically, two more done this weekend.
1: <laughs> two more?
0: Well, I had the the rapid one and then the PCR also. Oh.
1: Did, now, did you... Because did... I, got a, I got
0: a different story this time. I don't, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too far, but I got a different story this time because I, I get a different story on how these tests work every time I go and get one done. And I consider myself an expert now at this point. Oh. So this time around... I said, well, you know, I want to get the test done. I was feeling under the weather and they're like, okay. I go, yeah. So give me, they're like, okay, you're here for the rapid. I'm like, well, yeah, I want the rapid and the PCR. I want them both done. They're like, oh, well, we only do the the PCR one. If you get a a negative result on the, on the, the rapid one, I'm like, why? Well, because the rapid one shows a lot more false negatives than the PCR. That makes sense. I'm not, that's the first i've heard about this this is like my 10th test yeah, now
1: we're still figuring stuff out it's it's your 50th test i thought
0: it's, <laughs> yes my 50th <laughs> test it's my 50th test
1: did you get the nasal one or did they do spit
0: they did the nasal one <sighs> this time and and that's the other thing i got a problem because some of these people are really gentle and i'm like because i even said that the, the, the lady the the, uh, the one gentleman he did the the rapid and he's like I just need some, just some of your muk you know your gunk in your nose which I had plenty of I'm like here you go Ew. and that was super easy got a little bit a little bit of mucus whatever and gave Ew. okay and then they're like well yeah you got a negative of course I tested negative and they say well, we're gonna well we're gonna give you the PCR and I'm like oh you're gonna dig into my brain they're like and the girl's like well you know she actually was like kind I could tell she kind of got irritated when I said that probably because sure she's
1: heard it she's a heard it a million times.
0: times I know I'm super I'm Mister Mister Original but. It's like, well, you should feel a sensation in your mouth, not your brain. I'm like, I, oh, I, I do. <laughs> you but feel it in your brain? It feels like it. Yeah.
1: Ugh, I don't want that ever.
0: <laughs> I start having a, an LSD trip when they when they do that or something. But yeah, like she did this, but she was super gentle. Well, okay. I've had I've had some people grab me by the head. And they got like a leather mask on and stuff like yeah. that, and I'm like, <gasps> and I'm like, oh my god, I'm dying. This one was really gentle; it was really nice. Oh so there's like no consistency with that though either. Okay. Which like you can't expect because it's just different people. God damn, I hate COVID. I'm so <laughs> I,
1: still, I, oh, can't I almost not I almost cursed. Well, I'm not surprised we're still dealing with this a year later. I am getting sick of this because I'm sick it, of being sick. It is sick. what it is, and I think we can start to see a light at the end of the tunnel and whatever.
0: Yeah, don't say that. Moving on. We're all doomed. Moving on. We're all stuck in our houses for the rest of our lives. (laughs) We
1: are all doomed. We're all doomed. Wait, wait. Let's ask Mr. Predicto. Oh, God. Let's ask Mr. Predicto. um, Is there a light at the end of the tunnel with COVID? The answer you seek is yes. See? There we go. We don't want to do
0: best out of three?
1: Oh, shit. He's selling something. I didn't mean to. He's doing something else. Yes.
0: Wow Two Okay well. Okay
1: I just moved that And he said that So, so he's really energetic he's tonight really, Mr. Predicto
0: like, is really excited about it End of the it. tunnel Well he's probably got COVID
1: Why would Mr. Predicto have COVID? He's a he's a plastic orb
0: He probably got COVID Somehow What?
1: Uh, it's now It's now contagious to plastic He got
0: Well It, it, it Everything else is getting sick and It yeah. affects
1: plastic It's one of the variants now It affects it's, plastic It's a variant Yeah it's a mutation
0: <laughs> In the strain
1: Oh I shouldn't It affects joke. plastic toys That
0: predict the future Yeah uh, okay but Mr. Uh, Predicto just gave us two flat answers there that this thing's nearly over. Speaking of the future, sign.
1: when can we expect another Stairway Spirit episode?
0: Um, That's up to you because you're the one that handles it. No, it's up to you. You're the business person. I'm just the talent.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, right. We've, uh, well, we've, I'd like to
0: know. We have we have the next week. I actually have two in the can yeah, you right do. now. Uh, I do. Well, Would I talked ha- to you about that before. I talked you, to you about.
1: You have one with Shit. a very popular
0: person. Yeah, very popular guest. And one with I don't want to let the cat out of the bags. Okay, I won't. The millions of people that listen to this show will go completely crazy if we tell them this right Because he's elusive. He is very elusive. And he's also brilliant. Uh, I think uh, either later this week or early next week.
1: Do we have a show next week? No, we don't. Well, then we'll post it next week. We'll
0: post it for next week, yeah. Yes. Um, I wanted to keep this month so light, next and I'm Wednesday, glad I did because I'm sick again. So, If you're
1: listening to this show on the Wednesday it comes out, the next Wednesday there will be a new Stairway Spirits, Chapter 3.
0: Chapter 3, yes. Uh, and I have another one in the can for April already, so we're moving right along with that project, too. Yeah. Tonight was fantastic. Yes. Amber carried this one a little bit. More. I, I want to give credit where credit's due. I really do because you really did carry this one a lot more than I did than night because I I'm having a hard time just keeping my I thought I was doing better until we got down here and I'm like oh I'm still still my face is still blowing up well so.
1: I my favorite thing and I can and say this it, is this is your wheelhouse no I I can say it over and over and over and over is my favorite thing is uh my favorite thing my favorite thing is uh, couldn you, <laughs>
0: what are you uh, on a letter Kenny
1: I'm yeah, doing a Midwest thing because we're talking about uh not you about ghosts and stuff in that's the Midwest. Midwest. It's a little bit Midwest. It's Canadian. <laughs> no,
0: that's Maine. No, it's
1: like Minnesota. But we're not even talking about Minnesota. We're talking about Iowa and Illinois. So I don't know. Maybe they talk like that. I don't even know where. My, I don't know where my inspiration to come up with accents and, and how I do what I do. You know, I just all day talk to myself and sing to myself. And you do talk in accents to the cat. And it's I've just never a thing. met a
0: person who can in, who can entertain themselves harder. <laughs> if you can't make yourself Amber,
1: laugh when you're by yourself. You need to learn how to do that. Yeah, <laughs> like you just, just stop looking at me. Anyway, um, well, I, we had a good time tonight. It was cool. Yeah, my author Michael McCarty came on to talk uh, mainly about his book, Ghosts of the Quad Cities. Yeah, it was cool. And of course, I am partial to uh, this book because he's on my publisher, The History Press. You guys are label love. mates, man. Right? He's on. You're, he's on the label. Label. You're, lab-
0: you're, you're going to go on tour together next right?
1: year. Right? Yeah and uh throw the tv out the window of the hotel <laughs> yeah we're gonna break pencils could you be yeah, right a paranormal
0: <laughs> author like speaking tour like an actual tour where like you ride on a bus from like no paranormal conference to paranormal conference no the cake no the, carnage. the
1: conversation carnage that would take place
0: the carnage that would take place at those hotels
1: carnage of conversation that's what would happen and yeah. then a couple would have a few too many drinks and maybe wander over to the karaoke, but. It would be like that would be like the It would be fun discussion, which is half the reason I look forward to some of the, the con the cons we go to is because I want to talk to some of my fellow nerds and and nerd out with them. So
0: no Wolf of Wall Street type level uh partying going on. I just saw that movie finally today. Um wow. Are they
1: be an extra in that movie? Dude
0: it offended me it offended me <laughs> like i was like i mean when i put my hand over my mouth like like i'm bashful at some of the stuff i saw in that flick uh, I walk in your face is red. <gasps> I was, uh, dude, I was embarrassed a couple times like I'm okay. I'm, oh
1: my goodness. Oh
0: my goodness.
1: Clutching uh, your pearls.
0: So, so no no Wolf of Wall Street type partying for the Paranormal Speakers Tour from city to city ready to rock your town. Nah,
1: I don't think we'll be Coming cooler. through like
0: Black Sabbath.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, uh anyway, I want to yeah, give you yeah. a little bio. Of course, we're going to have everything uh linked up on our website. You Michael can always McCarty visit rules. our website yeah. at ghostlytalk.com yeah. and look under the uh current shows if you ever want to look up uh, any type of the new stuff links or things that we have added in our posts that you might not see when you down if you use a podcast don't uh, forget
0: don't forget you know and yeah if you are you do use a podcast app that's great we love that but don't forget if you go to ghostlytalk.com you can also go into our archives where we have the original run from you know i guess in the 2000s 2002
1: to 2009
0: yeah um that original run we did uh it's all there for free to listen to also you know
1: It's funny because I don't know how many people... I know people go back and they listen to those. It's a thing. Oh, yeah. Um, There's a person that rebroadcasts us on... SoundCloud, and I don't know what else it goes out to. He rebroadcasts on YouTube, I think. I think that's why we're on YouTube. No, that's the
0: guy we agreed to work with. It's
1: fine. We agreed. Yeah. And he does rebroadcast this on a few other things. So if you are ever looking he does for put our, up our show, older, you can find it on YouTube and stuff well, like well, that. Well, I was just going to say, if you ever are looking for our show, you'll kind of see us, and then you might see, like, I think it's called United,
0: United Public, Public Radio. Radio. United Public Radio.
1: But, 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 he goes and posts the old shows. Yes. Yeah, so I've that, seen that they've been now put out there in podcast world and it's interesting to see the statistics sometimes on SoundCloud how many people listen to the old show still every once in a while there's a show that I'm like really 800 eight just 800 views on SoundCloud alone yeah for for that and then I sometimes wonder if these people like because I don't know how well all the intros are on some of these like do people know that this is an old show that they're listening to <laughs> or are, are, are these are they actually fans of the show and enjoy listening to these No matter. Hope you enjoy them. Well, whatever. I'm always curious with people's listening.
0: Let's talk about Michael.
1: Let's talk about Michael.
0: Because he rules.
1: So Michael McCarty has been a professional writer since 1983, and he's the author of over 40 books of fiction and nonfiction, as well as hundreds of articles, short stories, and poems. He is a five-time Bram Stoker finalist and winner of the David R. Collins Literary Achievement Award from the Midwest Writing Center. He's the author of such books as Dark Cities, Dark Tales, Dark Duets, Musical Mayhem, a little help from my friends. I Kissed a Ghoul and I liked it. Seriously, that just came into my head when I saw that title. That's I Kissed a Ghoul. And Lost Girl of the Lake with Joe McKinney. In nonfiction, he wrote Modern Myth Makers, a collection of interviews with Ray Bradbury, Dean Koontz, John Saul, Elvira, William F. Nolan, the cast and crew of Night of the Living Dead and several more. And he's also co-wrote the book Conversations with Creskin, with the amazing Creskin, which yes. we talked about on the show, which was super cool. Yeah. So enjoy talking about some history and hauntings with Michael McCarty. Author Michael McCarty, and we're gonna be talking about one of my favorite things, history and hauntings. Yes. And we're gonna be talking about his book, Ghosts of the Quad Cities. And I'm I'm particularly partial to this book because when I looked up the cover, I went.
0: Oh, the I, I, the I History said, like That looks, press. Fam- that looks familiar. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, Michael, I've written a, my first book. Uh, well, I've written three books with the History Press, and I've done one for their Haunted America series. So I was like, yay! And I just and I love the series. I think they they find the most awesome people to put things together, uh, because local history and hauntings are the one of the best ways I always tell people to educate. Uh, others about their local history and what makes it cool and awesome. And sometimes telling people about the local history is going, you know, exploring that history through ghosts and murders and mysteries and all that fun stuff. Now, (laughs) for those that might be geographically challenged, where are the Quad Cities?
2: (laughs) The Quad Cities, um, people kind of think maybe the Twin Cities. And, uh, you know, and that's up in Minneapolis. But we're actually... Uh, along the Mississippi River, it's uh, two states between Iowa and Illinois. It's, um, they're right next to each other. We have the Mississippi snake across you know, between us. Um, so on the Iowa side of it is um, Davenport, Iowa, and Bettendorf, Iowa. And on the uh, Illinois side of it, it's Rock Island, Moline, and East Moline. I know, that's five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess someone didn't know how to count quad. and you know. now, Originally, it was the Quint Cities, but it just didn't have the ring as Quad Cities, so they changed it to Quad Cities. But the local joke is, we're the Quad Cities. We're twice as better than the, the Twin Cities. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish I could take credit for that joke, but Tom Hanks used it in the movie Nothing But Common. <laughs> Nothing, uh, uh,
1: <laughs> well, and, and I, I think I read in... And part of your, I don't know if it was in your, uh, I think it was in your intro to the Quad Cities, that Tom Hanks, one of his movies was filmed in one of the Quad Cities, okay, Road to Perdition? Right,
3: um,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually it was. Um, uh, it's based on the, the book by Max Collin called The Road to Perdition, which you were talking about, uh, which was actually a graphic novel. The only thing they actually did in the movie, they showed the Arsenal Bridge. Uh, they filmed that, uh, which is, um, you know, one of the landmarks of the Quad Cities. You know, uh, so they they filmed that, but that's really the only thing they filmed locally.
3: Oh. Um,
2: it's set in the Quad Cities, but they don't really show it. Uh, the house that you see on the cover of the book, um, that is, uh, you know, of the, you know this is actually a picture I took um, of the John Looney house, which – is the Road to Perdition is based on gangster John Looney. Oh. Uh, in the movie Road to Perdition, for some reason or another, they call him John Rooney. Okay. I guess Hollywood thought Looney was a made-up name, or they thought maybe people would think it was associated with Looney cartoons or something like that. <laughs> but it was actually, that was the gangster's name. He was, um, they, uh, the, they often call him the Al Capone of the Quad Cities it's not exactly an accurate description because uh, John Looney was doing it before Al Capone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he's, he has uh, he had as much control in the Quad Cities as uh, Al Capone did in Chicago. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's basically it. Yeah, the, the Road to Perdition was filmed in this area. I mean, it's based on this area in the graphic novel. They mention it in the show a little bit of the. Of the, uh, the you know on Arsenal Bridge, I li- I lived next door to the the John Looney House, and when they were filming the movie, uh, they actually had a film crew at the house taking pictures of it and filming it, and they realized that it was you know it's a over a hundred year old house. Is that um, they wanted something a more hollow, how would I say hollow? Hollywood eyes. I get, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that works.
0: Picturesque. Uh,
2: they didn't want the real thing, but they wanted something to uh, you know, look like it. Yeah. So they actually went to this University of uh, Indiana and had the uh, uh, Dean's house, which was very close to what the John Mooney house looked like. So they filmed that instead. But that, that yeah, that's basically. That's kind of cool. That's
1: cool. I like that. Now, what 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 was the inspiration? Because you come from a background of writing a lot of uh, books about horror, science fiction, and then this book is more with the paranormal, the supernatural. When it comes to like um, you know history, and how, what was the inspiration sure. behind uh, getting this book together?
2: Okay, well I have to kind of hit rewind because it goes back to uh, my first paranormal book, which caught, was called Ghostly Tales Around 66. Okay. And um, that was put out by another publisher, and that was, it came out, oh, it was about 2008. And the story with that was, um, uh, what happened was there, there was there used to be this thing in the, in the uh, downport library called Salute to Local Authors. And the day before that... Sh- um, you know, um salute to local authors. I actually appeared on the uh local uh t v show called Paula fans live, and I was promoting the you know salute to local authors and it was actually my first book at that time, which was my very first published book, Giants of the Genre, where I interviewed some of the biggest names in science fiction horror. so I went on the show I talked about my book and and because I was on Paula fans live and um, actually, that morning I was on Dwyer and Michael's radio show, two of the most popular radio TV mm-hmm. shows in the area. Um, a lot of people came. <laughs> I, had, I brought a whole box of books, and by the end of the day, I had not a single. Oh,
1: that's the book. best. They
2: just went. Uh, I, you, you just can't get anything better than that, yep. you know. Uh, and there's this guy who was from this uh, kind of a local publishing company out of Burlington, Iowa, which is which is. Um, south of Iowa. It's, it's near the border of Missouri. That's how close Burlington is. It's, it's way at the other end of the state. But he was there in the, um, you know, because he's kind of a local author as well, but he was there and he seen all these people come and buy my books. And he kept on giving me this piece of paper. Well, I didn't really look at it, and people were, I was talking to you know, people at my books, and they would want something, so I'd write on the back of the piece of paper, <laughs> he would give me another one, <laughs> I kept on writing on the back of the piece of paper, and um, uh, so eventually he should look at the front of the paper, oh, and he says he was looking for authors, so I said, okay, I have an idea for a book for you, it's called uh, Ghosts of the Quad Cities, and he goes, Hmm. He was just like, um, hmm. <laughs> you know, I go, okay. Uh, I said, what if I, uh, you know, I was looking at his books, that he also published through ghost books as well, and it's like, I see he did a lot of highway, you know, kind of, you know, different highway kind of stuff. I go, I always wanted to write a book about, you know, Route 66, and uh, my idea was I was going to take it, like, from, uh, you know, s- starting up in Chicago and kind of working through all the states, you know. Like, if you were... Gri- you know, going along with Route sixty six, and he said, "Oh yeah, that'd be great." So I, I did that. And The very first story in Ghostly Tales of Route sixty six is about Resurrection Mary.
1: Oh, one but of our favorites. I, I
2: <laughs> because I used to live up in the suburbs of Chicago, so I knew all about Resurrection. Yeah. Mary. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Rex or Rex I can't talk. My tongue is on the top of. My tongue is stuck stuck to the top of my mouth today. Nope. They, 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 Mary. Yeah, that's
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we totally know what you mean. Love that, Mary, yep, we got it.
2: Yep, okay, Resurrection Mary. But, you know, so I didn't ever get around to writing goes of the Cross Cities for this publisher. So it's been sitting in my mind for at least about 10 years at that okay. point, you know. Actually, longer than that. I actually, probably, to be quite honestly, um, I had it back in college days because I know... I'm sort of the local authority of ghost stories in this area. And I've done tons and tons of research, even before I even did this book. And um, so you were talking how this book came about. So I had uh, all this inspiration and knowledge and roaming in those files and, you know, file cabinet in my mind. And a, a good friend of mine named Joanne Brown, I used to work with her, but we're still good friends. There's this local... Uh, um, local ghost tour uh called the dark side of, of davenport the darker side i think it's called dark darker side of davenport yeah. i've mentioned it a million times in my book i should be able to find it <laughs> <laughs> darker, yeah i think it's called the darker side of davenport and they talk of they have a little bit of ghost stories out have a little bit of local murders and you know different you know macabre stuff like yeah. that i always wanted to go on that tour but I was never able to go to, to it. But she, uh, my friend Joanne Brown did. And she kind of told me about it. I go, hmm, that's interesting. Hmm, that's interesting. I, go on. I said, you know, the stuff I know, <laughs> 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 it's a lot more interesting than that. And she goes, really? I said, I'll tell you what. In a couple weeks, I'll give you my own private tour, my own ghostly Quad Cities tour of stuff I know. And I'll just kind of show you the places and explain it to you. And she said, oh, that would be fun. And we, of course, did this in the middle of cold winter. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not the best time to do it. But uh, So I went to different locations and told the histories of these locations and the ghost stories, the uh, combination. You were kind of talking about local history and and uh, the ghost. But yeah. I, I, I like to refer to it as history meets mystery. That's it. Mystery it. I like unknown. that. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's really two different worlds. you got the paranormal, you know, stuff, and you also have the local history. And really it's not a book about the local history or the local paranormal. It's really a book about how they both are, you know, Adjacent and, and adjoined to each other. Yeah. So, like I said, I was just showing her all these places, and they just going on and on. This uh, ten minute tour ended up being over an hour. You know, and her reaction to all my stories and everything that I had, uh, you know, kn- knew about these places and the stories behind it, and the you know the history and the mystery, of, as you know, as kind of talked about, just blew her away. And I said, Joanne. You inspired me to write this book again. I really have to do it. So the very next day, I wrote a letter to Arcadia. And I said I got this idea for a book called Ghosts of the Quad Cities. And two days later, they wrote back and they says, "I have uh, 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 this editor, uh, uh, which is a really, really nice guy. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think I could have done the book without it. his name, um, Benjamin Gibson. Okay. Anyway, Benjamin, uh, you know." Uh, sends me emails email says, call me. <laughs> and let's talk about what you have in mind for this book. Yeah. So I kind of told him the, to, you know, basically I have all this knowledge <laughs> and all this stuff. But um, like with I did with my first book, I kind of made it like a greatest hit. You know, by Giants of the Genre, I made it the greatest hits, top 20 interviews I did. So I said, I'll do this, the top 20 ghost stories of the Quad Cities, the most famous places and all that and I kind of was telling him that and he goes this this sounds fantastic we always <laughs> kind of wanted to do a ghost book in this area and so I sent him a proposal and he loved it and I got the contract and Yay! So that's, it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's nice that you were able to finally put that together it's funny how some people like in the publishing world will look at something and go no and maybe it just wasn't time for that book to be born yet, and because this book isn't that old, 2019. So I, I yep. know we want to talk about- It's technically
0: brand new, because we kind of lost you Well,
1: we did. That's a missing year. Yeah, yeah. a missing
0: year now, it's 2020. <laughs> 2020, it's the really, missing it, year. It didn't really happen.
1: Um, but I want to get into some of the great stories that you talk about, and one of them that we have in our notes, uh, we have gangsters, angels, and ghosts, yeah, and it's yeah, kind yeah. of a combination yeah. of how these all tie together, and I'd love to hear more about this. Sure, sure. Um,
2: like I said, on the front cover of the book, if you, what you've seen was the John Looney House. And originally I was going to do a chapter called that Gangsters, Angels, and Ghosts. Um, but what happened was, it ended up being the John Looney House chapter ended up being pretty big, and the uh, what I call the angels part of it was so big, that I had to keep on those two separate chapters. But they're close to each other, but Basically, uh, we were kind of talked about, you know, John Looney, the, the uh, Al Capone of the Quest Cities, and he lived in that house, which is on the front cover of the book, uh, and, and, really, and I've been in his house three different occasions, and um, the cool thing is that if you go to, like, especially, like, it's, it's a four-story house. If you go to the top of the third floor and you look, it's kind of a perch. You could see... Across the street was his former law partner, uh, Frank H. Kelly, who has a nice house as well. And down just so <clears throat> I would say, a stone's throw away" was what they call the, uh, um, the, the they called it the, uh, the loony roost. That was where okay. the, uh, it was a bungalow. And it was the final destination of what they called the Rock Island News, and that was the, the newspaper that John Looney would put out. And it, I would, I wouldn't want to compare it to some of these tabloids uh, because it was a little bit more steamier than. Oh those wow! Were. Fun. And, uh, and and the way uh, that the Looney made his money, besides you know, uh, uh, you know, besides his. Uh, uh, activities uh, of doing uh, prostitution gambling illegal uh, illegal liquor during you know uh, you know which that was really profitable but the the rock on the news um, was profitable too because what he would do is that he'd get like a prominent person and you know let's say he caught them with uh, let 's say a Let's say a mayor or something like that, uh, or an alderman or something like that, or a very rich socialite, and caught them in a compromising position and would take a picture of it. Yep. And <laughs> and it says, "I'm going to plaster yeah. this on the front page of my newspaper unless you give me X, X oh, yeah.
1: of dollars." Extortion.
2: <laughs> and they say uh, it doesn't pay to be in the news business. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, he uh, he kind of ran this newspaper so, really close—not I wouldn't even say half a block away. So, like I said, across the street was his former law partner. I mean, how you know you're in trouble if you have your lawyer across the
3: street from right. so I
2: mean, you? <laughs> you have to be, in, you know, throw, uh, uh, you know, yell at you the police to come to get me, and that your lawyer could come get, you know, come across the street to save you. Uh, that's how close it was. So like I guess the, the roost was just right next to that. And from the, you know, that third floor, uh, you could literally see on one side, you could look over and see the uh, the Frank Kelly house. And the other side, you could see the uh, the, the Looney roost. And if you look just, I mean, you don't really that you look that far, then you would see what they call the villa. And we'll get to that. that. That's the angels part. Okay. So like I said, he he ran this newspaper from that roost. They had a circulation about 10,000 people, you know, had 10,000 circulation, which was a pretty good circulation in Rock Island at that time. And um, he was definitely the most famous gangster out of the Highland Park area, where, you know, this area was. Um, So, you know, he ran his business with violence, slander, blackmail. You know, he's a nice guy. (laughs) So on the other side of this, literally across the street from that loony roost, was the villa. And, um, so, uh, you know, he was running this newspaper and literally across from this was the, uh, the villa, which was, uh, uh, the sisters, of uh, visitation, um, you know, school for young ladies. <laughs> and in fact, mm-hmm. Looney's own daughters, he had two of his daughters were among the hundreds of girls educated there. So, you know, the, we were talking about gangsters, angels, and, and ghosts. Well, we got the gangster part. Yeah. We got the angels part. We'll, we'll get to the ghosts as well. Um, so, at the, you know, like I said, literally you have this just uh, between the, the loony uh, roost and the villa, the Chant uh, They're also known as the villa, you know. Uh, and the really kind of cool thing besides that, they're really close. The architect for... The Looney, uh, the Looney Mansion, or the ho- Looney House, and the, the Villa was by the same guy, and actually he also did that Frank H. Kelly place. So literally, all these three—look, you know—the the Frank Kelly House, the John Looney House, and the Villa were all designed by the same person. You know, and they're very, you know, very distinctive architect of Rock Island. Well, the ghost c- part comes in. Um, I've had, uh, you know. Uh, some in, encounters of uh, that I had. I mean, for one thing, I lived next to the Looney House um, for about 20 years, and I had some different things happen to uh, when I was at the, the place. I mean, I do remember having this house. Do you have the time for that?
1: Oh, yeah, we do. And now, I is sure, yeah. the Looney House, is this a museum, or was it a, is it a privately owned oh, uh, mansion?
2: Okay, yeah. Originally, it was a, a private-owned house. That John Looney had as you know as his residence, and then uh, you know he got arrested and uh, or uh, he got arrested. And he moved away and he got uh, and then he died. Um, then eventually it became um, several apartment units. Uh, I think it was like eighteen. Oh God, wow. Uh, yeah, and you can kind of tell it has a, a kind of an apartment you know look to it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it has that look of an old tour-of-the-century house, but also has kind of, you know, a, a, like a frat house kind of look to it as
3: well.
2: Um, yeah, and so it, it fell into this apartment for, oh, about a quarter of a century, I would say, it, it all maybe, a little, maybe a half a century, actually, um, where it was, you know, all these different, you know, uh, apartments. Uh, so then this... Uh, um, I think, believe it or not, it was a lawyer again, uh, bought the place and wanted to convert it from an apartment to a single resident house. And uh, he oh, he did a fantastic job. Because, I mean, when it was an apartment, they really gutted it.
3: Because
2: yeah, I've have... seen it when it was an apartment, uh, because it was originally for sale, and I kind of looked at it and I go, oh, this is a beautiful house, but they really gutted it out, turned it into all these apartments. Well, this lawyer who bought the house and turned it back into a home again, actually did such a great site. Um, he, he created it as a home again. Um, he did a fantastic job. He did a fantastic That's job. That's cool. Uh, so one of the first things I said, like, so the first uh, place I've been at, uh, one in was this, this one that was original for sale. The second time, um, it was uh, they were doing a tour of the Looney House, um, you know, because the the Road to Perdition came out, and people wanted to see it, so they had a a tour. And I I went with another writer friend of mine, Joyce Grubbs, and we went inside the the house and and took some pictures. It it was fun. Um, When I was doing that tour, I was kind of, when I was in the basement, and they had that old kind of um, coal. uh, It was, I think they had like three different, furnaces because they had three different chutes that the the coal were coming out. So if it wasn't three different furnaces, it was a huge furnace that they were burning coal in. So most of the houses that size would have one chute or maybe two, but they had three chutes. So I knew it was a pretty big, um, you know, a lot of used a lot of coal to keep it warm. Uh, When I was down in that basement during a tour, I kind of snuck off to kind of look because there's also a local legend that um, the, between the Frank, H, uh kelly house and the looney house was a tunnel that kind of uh, ran
3: between okay, it yeah. and
2: if we ever got in trouble we ran in there yeah. and and i was looking during that tour but i couldn't find it and looney's other when he was a law practice with uh frank h kelly which is now the uh ribco it's a nightclub if you go down there i mean at that that club underneath that club is several tunnels to where he had brothels. You know, they had tunnels that led to the brothels. So it kind of would make sense that he had a, a tunnel ran to there. Um, and also, he had this other house uh, which is near the cemetery. And he he actually had a, two different tunnels. One ran for the Rock River, so he could bring his uh, illegal booze, uh, ship it up to Chicago, or you know, have it shipped in from Chicago. It kind of yeah. went from his house there, and also he had a speakeasy across the street, which he had a tunnel ran under there. If he ran into any kind of trouble, he'd run into that. So it'd be kind of an assumption that he would have a tunnel there. So during this tour, I was looking around for the tunnel. I couldn't find it. So my third time I went to it, I was inside it. The owners were uh, getting ready to sell it, and. I asked uh, the lady who uh, lived there, I says, I'm a local author, and I have a fast, I've been in this house two other times, but I I want to do a little bit of research. Do you mind if I just, uh, you know, look at your house? She was actually out, it was through the summer, she was doing the garden. And she said, oh, sure, go ahead. So I go in the house, I go in the basement looking for this tunnel, and I'm actually at one point, I'm underneath the stairs. (laughs) And this is, and this is kind of a creepy thing. I'm underneath the stairs, and if you ever been any stairs and hear someone walk above it, duh, 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 yeah.
3: you hear it. Oh yeah, yeah. You
2: kind of look up, the, you know. This is the old stairs. That I mean, it freaked me out. Going, oh, oh, maybe the owner wants to, you know, wanted me right away. So I, I come out of the stairs. And like, there was no one there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay.
2: <geez. laughs> so I said, oh well, I said okay. So I'm gonna go. Uh, maybe she was going to say something, so I went outside, and she was still at the garden, and she was the only person in the house. So mm. that was kind of, and this is during the middle of the afternoon, you know, you always get ghost stories at night and stuff, but that was during the, uh, you know, middle of the afternoon. Uh, the other thing that happened there uh, was, a, uh, uh, I think it was somewhere shortly after that, the house was uh, uh, for sale yet, it hadn't been sold yet. No one was living in it, and it was, uh, you know, for sale. And I, like I said, I lived next door. We had a power outage, and these, it was one of these things that we were without power, I think about 12 or 13 hours. And it was around midnight, and I, it was during the summer, and I was really, both me and my wife were really hot. And so I said, well, I'm going to go next door and get a, uh, you know, so maybe a, a soda or something like that, cool us down." So when I was out there and I was getting the soda, I was just you know i was kind of around the the loony house anyway so i was kind of walking around it and like i said nobody was living there at the time and uh if you kind of look on the cover you see like there's uh you see that little uh uh the third window i mean there's like a balcony and i seen it like a, a, a only i probably would describe it as a shadow person because it just looked like a shadow being cast by the moon. But like I said, there was nobody in the house. Yeah. And I kind of walked a little bit closer to it and it just disappeared. Mm. So that was the, uh, the ghostly
1: encounter I had there. It was definitely creepy. <laughs> Especially the stairs, which it yeah. kind of goes with like, Scott's been doing a, uh, kind of a well a second program to this called stairway spirits yeah yeah and so whenever i hear stairway stuff happening i'm always like ooh, ooh. yeah my antlers <laughs> like, pop yeah up paranormal <laughs> stuff on it on stairs and and just how often that happens but i love the fact well, there's that
0: there's more than you know when you well, start when you start listening for you hear more and more of I,
1: course. I i love the fact that this happened to you during the afternoon because it's such a cliche that this stuff only happens to people at night and when it happens during mm-hmm. the day it's the best um, so we we got this gangster. He's got this house, um, this big beautiful mansion, and you've encountered some spooky stuff in it. Of course, the guy has some really cool gangster history in the area. But then, what's what's with the angel place across the street? That what's the connection there? Or well, with oh, your okay. with your yeah. angels, <laughs> the, I, the little girls. I, I just
3: used
2: angels because it was you know a Catholic school, right? yeah. and you know uh, you know it's it's the goodness versus the badness. I mean, literally, right yeah, across yeah. This brick road was the villa and the Red Cross was the scandalous newspaper. I mean, they're right across the street uh, and a, a little brick road, you know, between them. Um, yeah, it was just literally that close to it, you know. It was, uh, it, it was like I said, uh, the, the difference between the uh, Rock Island News and the uh, the, the Villa Girls School. Okay.
3: You know, it's just... Two different worlds. <laughs>
1: now, is there any any ghost stories about the the girls' school? Is it is the building still oh, there? The villa? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. What's some good stuff. What what's going on at the villa?
2: <laughs> yeah, there's uh, supposed to have been a, a haunting of a, a nun. That uh, you know, a haunted nun story, and uh, you know that. Uh, she was having an affair with a priest, and uh, <laughs> they, you know, took their unborn kid and buried it in the wall.
1: And, <laughs> and, uh, I love these ones. I
2: love these stories. So that just, I, oh. I did a, you know, a lot of uh, research on it, and uh, pretty much what I found out is I found out uh, somebody used to work there, and they said that whole nun story was based on the fact that. One of the nuns who actually lived you know who worked there and everything was actually her husband died several years ago and she you know was converted to a nun and uh so that's how that whole story came along but it it's uh you know it it is uh it is pretty creepy um eventually the uh, the whole place burned down
3: Aww.
2: and uh so yeah, it's, it, it was uh, a uh, uh, kind of a sad, sad you know, thing happened to it because it was such a really uh, a beautiful building. And I have a luckily, I, the city of Rock Island uh, uh, let me use at, had access to the picture. It was a great picture, and I, I was able to preserve the memory in, in the book.
1: Was anything built on top of it on the property?
2: Yeah, right now uh there's a another school that we replaced it with. Mm-hmm. It's like a math and science school. Okay. So the the learning con- uh tradition continues. Uh but yeah, it was it was sad. It was I I, I mean I actually seen the fire of the, the uh the villa when it burned down. Um, it was during the summer and my neighbor called up and says, What's all that smoke? You see all that smoke? And I says, Well, I'm gonna have to investigate 'cause, you know, so I went out and I was like, can of and There's all this. I hear all these fire trucks coming, and and I just went down a block, and boom, <laughs> there it is. You know, they the villa's burning. It was it was a big fire. And it took a long time. Uh, they tried to save it, but it it was pretty much gutted out. It was it was burned down to uh, the cinders, really.
1: No, that's the worst when historical buildings burn, because that's it. They're gone. They're done. You know, and, and unless you can save things. Like, if there's just, like, well, what was the church? Uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. Like, I was watching oh, yeah. that. Oh, yeah. And I, I, That's a
2: good comparison. You yeah. Know? I mean, not the the Notre Dame is a lot older. Right, <laughs> yeah. You know, several centuries older. But it's the same thing. It's like, here's this built, you know, beautiful historic yep. building, and it just, you know, burns up to... Um, down we've seen that a lot here. In the,
0: unfortunately, we've seen a lot of that here, in, you know, in the, in the Detroit area. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff that's been preserved, but there's also been a lot of stuff that's been destroyed. I mean, the historic Hudson building, which has been gone now for over 20 years, uh, but that was, uh, you know, at one time, Detroit, as a lot of people know, uh, that the main Woodward area there, that was like world-class shopping. People travel from all over the world to come and shop in Detroit, Michigan at the the giant Hudson's building there. Um, And of course, that building was taken down and they put a baseball stadium up there, which is... I guess fun. It's fun, but it was a really amazing historic piece of property that was gone. They just it, it'll never come back. And there's a lot of there's a lot of buildings that have been taken down or have just more or less been neglected to the point where they can't be rehabbed in Detroit. So I hate to see that happen, uh with pieces of history like that, no matter how big or small they be. Uh it it's kind of a bummer to see that for anything like that. It just it, it kinda of bums me out. Right, Amber?
1: Yes. I hate <sighs> when I see history do that. Yeah. I, 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 I but you know, there, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask. Um, I love Cemetery Lauren Legend, and I saw that in your book there is something called The Black Angel of Moline's Riverside <laughs> Cemetery. I was wondering if you could share oh, yeah. this because I, I want to know more about this one.
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's at the cemetery called Riverside Cemetery at Moline, Illinois. And It's a really nice cemetery, Uh, uh, you know. uh, One of the the two famous things at that uh, cemetery was one was uh, Charles Dickens' son uh, was buried there, and um, and the other thing is the Black Angel, and we're kind of do that kind of parallel thing between, um, you know. the villa and the roost, you know, John Lundley's
3: roost.
2: There's kind of a parallel between Charles Dickens' son coming to the, he was like a celebrity, you know. He was going to kick off this book tour, and he dies in this area and is buried in a local cemetery. And just, you know, fast forward to several, several, several decades later, we have uh, Cary Grant. Uh, you know, yeah. Hollywood legend comes to this area to do a evening with a Carrie Grant uh show at the Adler, and he passes away he dies at the hotel before his show at the Black Hawk Hotel, which is now known as the hotel Blackhawk um and his ghost is being seen by several people over the years at the hotel but. Uh, to go back to your other question, <laughs> but I just thought that it was kind of cool. That's, I, I like a that, yeah. Celebrity, you know, comes to this area and dies. And then we have another local celebrity comes and dies. Dies. When <laughs> uh, rock star, uh, from your, kind of your neck of the woods, Prince, yeah. uh, shortly before he passed away, uh, he had an emergency landing at our airport and they took him to the hospital and he stayed there for several hours and then he hops on his plane and he he, and died he dies too
1: coming. oh my god there's <laughs> a connection going on here <laughs> so he was, wow. uh,
2: we could almost been an elephant celebrity <laughs> right. graveyard if he would have passed away wow. here but he got smart and says hey exit stage you left last year too many people died here <laughs> who are famous you yeah. know <laughs> but uh, going back to the Black Angel, <laughs> so the, the Black Angel is this, uh, originally this, uh wasn't a Black Angel, the, the corrosion um, made it that way, you know. Um, and there's actually another Black Angel semi- uh, statue uh, in the Midwest, not that far away in Iowa City, which is actually still around. But the black angel out of Riverside Cemetery, the legend is if at midnight you kissed the black angel, the next day you would die. Oh. And um, one of the people I interviewed in the book uh, was about this was uh, John Brassard, Jr., who's a good friend of mine, a local historian. Um, he said, oh, yeah, the, you know, that legend He goes, I know it's not true. Because my grandparents did it, and if they died, I wouldn't be here.
3: <laughs>
2: but uh, yeah, that was the legend. And a lot of people, you know, it was it was the kind of the thing that people would do. You know, they would spend the night in the cemetery at the Black Angel. You know, that was that was the kind of the local legend. Well, the Deer family kind of, you know, after it, there was some vandalism to it and stuff like that. Yeah. So they decided. Uh, um, enough is enough you know uh they eventually moved it to they called it the dear wyman house which is a private uh resident uh and it was there for a few years and uh eventually they sent it to california and it was there for a few years now it's at a resort in arizona so, I, I call it the Black Angel Tour.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's kind of wild. <laughs> it's going to
2: open up for Metallica, I think.
1: Yeah. Go, Black Angel!
3: <laughs> rock and roll!
1: That would make a good band name. <laughs> my, well, there's this one. Well, I'm thinking Death Angel. Dark Angel. <laughs> but is Dark Angel? is that, There's a band called Dark but Angel. But is there a band called Black Angel?
0: Oh, probably, I'm sure there is. I'm I'll sure look, there is. Probably look it on, on, it's
1: probably a black metal band from Norway yeah no. metal,
0: metal archives will tell us right yeah, now i'm yeah. sure they
1: existed <laughs> <laughs> um so was that was that on someone's was this mo- monument on someone's uh grave site or was it a family marker uh, yeah
2: that- yeah uh it was on the deer john deere uh web, uh grave site um and it, it's a really nice big uh you know, a gravesite anyway, but Wait, yeah, sorry, you Michael, know kind of I hate, I hate to interrupt
0: I'm, i hate to interrupt, but I just look in the metal archives just, just to just to thir- oh my God. quench my curiosity of this. Uh there's actually oh there's actually there's two black angel bands, one from Finland, one from Peru. See, I told and you. And then there's Finland. a black angels from From my area. Oh, okay. All right. Then there's Angel Black from the United States. All right. Now, <laughs> sorry. Move along, move along. Now sorry. everybody
1: can go look this up. now, now. <laughs> Michael, did you say that John Deere is in John Deere family, like the trucks, the tractors? Uh,
3: a tractor, yeah,
2: yeah oh. Tractor oh,
1: wow! The,
2: Why? The, yeah, the, the John Deere, the inventor of the John Deere tractor, okay. <laughs> which you know, uh, you know, everybody wants a John Deere. You know, hat or shirt or something. I thought it was kind of cool. I seen Ashton Kutcher when he was on the Tonight Show.
3: He had a
2: John Deere cap on.
3: Right? That, was from, yeah. There's like nothing that
0: rapidly. looks like something that has to do with John Deere. There's just like there, there's nothing that looks like that, like a hat or a shirt, or of course the iconic tractors. Anything that those guys make, any product, you just know it's made by John Deere. It's just that that same green. That that yeah. That that, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I,
2: I worked for them. Uh, for about three months, and they call it John Deere green. <laughs>
0: it, it, there's something. It, it is its, its not, own. Yeah,
2: It's is definitely a distinctive color. People see that color and they know they associate
1: it with the tractor right away. You know, exactly. Yeah, it, it probably honestly is a trademark color.
0: It probably. No, I was going to say it probably is. It is. Color. It, yeah. is.
1: They, it is. It is. <laughs> um. So. Other than this ghost stuff, which is super awesome, the other awesome thing about your book that I noticed, and then when I was looking at the notes, I'm like, no way. The intro is written by the amazing Creskin, who is a mentalist oh, yeah. and magician who's been around forever. In fact, I have sitting in storage a game from 1966 called Creskin ESP. I thought, we, I
0: thought we had that out <laughs> in the... Uh... No,
1: it's in, it's over there, like buried. But it's the guy's Literally. been around forever, and... He wrote, oh, yeah. So how yeah. did you it, get connected was a, that, with him? That game, was put, that game was put
2: out by Milton Burrow. Yeah, yeah. Or Milton, Milton Bradley. Bradley, yeah. Milton Bradley. Yep. I uh, had the pendulum and stuff like that. Actually, I, I know a lot about the game. Um, not because I know a lot about Creston, but um, someone gave me that. Uh, a fan of mine uh, at the last signing I had last year gave me that game. And I go, oh my God, I had this game as a kid. I just didn't associate that with, You know, this is what this game was. So yeah, yeah, the Mazie Kreskins has been performing for over forever. Yeah, it's been. (laughs) You know, he's he's an incredibly incredibly talented uh, person, incredibly great friend of mine. Um, I've known him for about thirty years now, Um, and uh, so. I, uh, we actually did a book together called Conversations with Creskin.
3: Okay. Because
2: one of my strong suits, besides, you know, doing research, um, is also doing interviews. And I wanted to do, actually do a, uh, uh, you know, a book about Creskin, but he said, you know, I might do an autobiography, you know, I'm going on? hmm. So I put on my thinking cap, you know, I'm really good at interviewing. What if I interview you about your life?
3: He yeah. goes, huh, yeah. that's
2: an interesting approach. So we spent two years talking back and forth about different aspects of his life, and we put together conversations with Kreskin. And it was a, a fun book to do. I, I enjoyed every minute of it. And the one of the highlights of my writing career, um, when that book came, uh, well, before that, two years before that, Kreskin went on Jimmy Fallon's show and gave him a faith. And in this safe he made a prediction of who was going to be the next president. And uh, so he, uh, Jimmy Fallon, kept the safe in his office for two years. <laughs> and uh, after the election, the op- he took the safe and opened it up and read his prediction. Uh, one of the other things that Jimmy Fallon did was he hold out, held up a copy of Conversations with Kreskin. Oh, that's cool. And this was around shortly after midnight. And I lived in an apartment at the time, but I was screaming
1: my head <laughs> off. Ah!
2: <laughs> Jimmy Fallon's hold my right book. Oh my god, I can't get any better than this. <laughs> you
1: know? That is cool. I love Jimmy Fallon. But that's that's so neat that especially Creskin, someone who's been around for so long, I had to look him up because I'm like, Oh my god, is he is he dead? And I'm like, No, he's still alive, he's in his eighties, he's still he's still out there mm-hmm. performing. Uh, in fact, I think on his website he had done one of those lock boxes again, where he was predicting the president. I don't. Oh yeah. I don't. Are his are his predictions correct when he guesses for the president?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, he's, it's I mean, you know, he's made predictions like on the su- uh, Super Bowl and World <laughs> Series and politics and you know. Yeah, he's he's an amazing guy. In fact he just called me on my birthday this year. We we've been like I said, we've been friends for thirty years. But yeah, I had him do the introduction to this book. He's in fact when I, I was even coming up with different things to do about this book, one of the first things I said I was like, I gotta have to have do the introduction today. <laughs> Uh the second thing I did I was like I'm gonna have to interview John Brasser Junior. Uh which was a gr- I, I enjoyed interviewing him for the first book, Ghost of the, uh, Ghost of the Quad City so much. That when I was going to do a sequel, I says, "Let's just do. I'm not going to interview anymore. Let's just co-write this book together because we almost co-wrote it anyway." (laughs) So uh, that book, and I asked my publisher if I could give the title out, you know, and he said, "Fine." That that book is coming out from Arcadia as well, and it's going to come out September twenty September twenty twenty one this year. It's called Erie Cities.
3: Yeah, I was going to ask. And it's
2: going to be by myself and John Brasser Jr. I am just so excited! It's going to be a fantastic book. Uh, the, the, like I said, the, the first book, Ghosts of Quad Cities, was our greatest hit. The twenty stories, I twenty-four stories, or actually twenty stories, I really wanted to do. But there were so many other stories that I couldn't get around to doing that I wanted to do, and that's why they, were, you know, allowed the, the sequel to, to uh, happen.
1: No, that's super cool. I'm going to be looking forward to that book. Um, And I know that I'm familiar with that series, too, and there need to be more books in that one because I think think History Press slash Arcadia only has, like, six or seven books in that Erie series. So they're trying to grow that one.
2: I'm I'm kind of surprised that they said, yeah, okay, let's do this. Uh, The the cool thing about the Erie series is it's not all ghost stories. Right. I convinced them that I wanted half of it ghost stories and the other other paranormal stuff. We have some stuff about... um, we have this local legend called The, the, the Banshee of Brady Street, which is a great story. <laughs> uh, we have the Death <laughs> Curve of uh, Cambridge and uh, even some sightings of UFOs and Bigfoot. Yes. It was just a fantastic. Uh, John and I just had so much fun with that book, and we decided, you know, to make a uh You know, we wanted to keep it the same, uh, a lot of the same as the first book. Because, you know, I, I had... Uh, I took a lot of pictures of the first book and uh, a a former teacher of mine, an art teacher named Bruce Walters, also took a few pictures. So I asked Bruce if he could be also uh, the main photographer of this book because I I can't write it and take all the pictures as well. So he took a number of pictures, I think a lot of pictures as well. So we had Bruce come along from both books. And, you know, to make this thing complete, a complete sequel series to kind of bounce off the first book, we had to get Kruskin again.
3: Yeah. And so we
2: got Kruskin to write the introduction. Right. So it was just, it was like, a, you know, you had a party, a, let's say a big New Year's Eve party uh, a couple years ago, and you said, oh, that was so much fun. Let's have, a, you know, a lot of those people come back and do it again. It was like that. <laughs> you know, it, was a, it, was a, it was a great, you know, it was so fun to do that in the first book, but it was just as fun as, as the second book.
1: Well, and I love these because they're helping preserve these these supernatural legends and stories. And a lot of this stuff is just always word of mouth or something people grew up with. And then the story kind of does its thing through the decades. And I'm glad that there's more and more authors around the U.S. Uh, starting to preserve this stuff with publishers like this.
2: Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, people are just really over the years, um, you know, since the, my first book, you know, Ghostly, Tales of Route 66, which was came out in 2008, I think, you know, America has just really uh, become fascinated with ghost stories, you know, I mean, just over the, you know, there's so many different paranormal shows and ghost stories, shows, yeah. and over the years that I think, you know, people have a, a fascination with it, and, you know, I, I think it's, it, I like that fascination, I like people... <laughs> You know, yeah. they want to know more and I'm giving them the information. I'm taking pictures of a places and a lot of the you're sort like of preserving the local history. One of the, the places I talked about in the first book was Pi Kappa Chai. It was a fraternity. Strangely enough that I had the amazing Creska do a seance on <laughs> 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 about thirty years ago. That's how that's how I met the Kreska. I used to work at the Funny Bone Comedy Club and he needed a haunted house to do a seance. I said I got the place for you,
3: <laughs> so
2: that's how we met. And uh, so, uh, Pie Chai i talked about in the first, you know, book, Ghosts of the Quat Cities—and you know, it's one of the probably the most famous haunted houses in the area. Well, it comes to Erie Quat Cities, it's no longer there. The Palmer College tore it down. Oh. So, I mean, you know, you talk about preserving the local history. You sometimes you have to kind of go out there and get it before it's yep. gone. You know, yep. I mean. It's, it's, we were talking about the villa being burnt down yep. and, and Palmer, a uh, pie cap of chai being torn down. You know, sometimes you have to kind of do it before it's no longer there. It, it, it's, just, it's been around forever, but it doesn't mean it will be either.
3: So right. It's,
2: it's kind of right. nice to capture that moment in time, you know,
1: and, so, so to speak. And, and, and even a lot of these books, and, and you mentioned this, I, I wrote down one of the quotes from your book that I really, really liked because... There are a lot of people that just want their ghost stories to be nothing but like demons screaming and all this really creepy, (laughs) creepy stuff and just really terrifying things straight out of a horror movie. But you state this really, really well. And you said in, in reference to paranormal phenomena that that's the way the paranormal usually manifests itself as a shadow, not a monster, as a whisper, not a scream. And I love that because that's often what happens when you go searching the paranormal. It's not what you expect, especially people who first get into this and they're looking for a thrill. It, it really is the more subtle things that go on. And I, so I really love that quote from your book. I had to pull it.
2: And, and here's, you know, it's just the little things that sometimes are really more creepier than the big things. <laughs> because yeah. you'll, like, look at this, and it's like, let's say you see a glass that moves from one end of the table to the other. You go, you'll you say, okay, oh, I just have maybe bad legs on the table. Then you look at the legs, you go underneath it, and you felt, well, no, them are secure. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, well, if I shake the table, we'll do it again. And it nope. won't. <laughs> and, you know, it's just sometimes those little things that you can't explain Creepy out more than you know, you know Jason for exactly. their you know with you know, a, and with
0: we've, a Well, we've said this all along, all along too. When it comes to uh, mm-hmm. hauntings and and ghosts, uh, ghost stories them in and of themselves, um, you you end up becoming more of a historian than you do. I mean, for people to get active in the field and and they want to they want to go out there and, and do this stuff. The people that really stick it out i've I, all of my met we all as we've been doing here for the last hour just about talking about history that you become more of a historian than you do I guess a paranormal researcher because you I mean I think the story of where the, why this may be happening is more important than the fact of whether it really is or isn't happening, I guess um, there has to be a reason I guess behind that. And I think people are chasing those those things more than they are the actual actual specters themselves.
1: Well, yeah, and it's like how Michael said earlier in, in the talk how the the paranormal and history is often just adjacent to each other. Yeah, totally.
0: You know, it's, yeah, it's it's and I've never, I mean, that's if there's one thing I've learned over all these years, it's that uh, and that you are a historian basically when it comes to that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah, and
2: I I always had a, a love of history. In fact, when I was in college. I, first college I went to was Scott Community College and I didn't actually have a history major per se because I didn't have a history major for, you know, community college but I took a ton of history classes. I just love history Um, and, you know, journalism of of a sort is kind of a, you know, history kind of goes in journalism because what happens in the past will, you know, haunt the future really. Yeah. Uh, They, you know, uh, so, you know, I have that kind of fascination with the, the past and all that so it was, a lot of fun to work with someone like John Brasser, Jr., who is actually a local historian. So I, we even dig deeper into the onion. You know, you get the onion has all those layers. We got to the core of it this time around because uh, uh, he was doing research, I was doing research, went, went to the libraries, they did research. and yeah. uh, Some of the stuff that we uncovered. you know, I've, I've lived here um, almost my entire life Surprise the
0: hell out of me. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you well, know, I think it is amazing. You you can live somewhere like that, like you said, your entire life. I pretty much haven't left the general area of where I live at now, uh, my entire life. And I'm sure there's things that have happened around here that, if I just did some digging like you guys have done, it'd probably blow my mind just to know the history of where I where I live. Because I think every I don't no matter where you're at, any place has has history behind it. There's something that happened there. Um, so yeah, I think that's really cool to hear that you guys, you guys are able to pull that, extrapolate that, uh, from where you're at. I should do the same thing myself here.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, some of the stuff that you go ends up being a dead end. You just can't yeah. find enough evidence yeah. or enough history or anything. Ah, oh, right. I really wanted that story. Yep. It was, and one of the stories I was trying to do for this book, um, I, I talk about in the first book about Augustana College. Uh, there's this, uh, you know, lumber baron who has this place called house on the hill, and it's haunted. And we talked about that. Yeah. The other story was that this lumber baron uh, has this uh, a portrait that he had at the at the house on the hill, but he had another one which the ended up at the uh, library of uh, the city of Rock, Rock Island's library. And the local legend goes is that he would go to both the house on the hill and to the library to see his portrait kind of go back and forth. I go, that is a fantastic story. But I talked to a ton of people at the library, and I talked to people at the House on the Hill, and nobody could collaborate in. So I, it just didn't end up, you know, I needed, I, I look, I because of my journalism background, and that's one of the things that I kind of did with the book is that I don't really judge on this. I let the readers kind of judge. I, I, I kind of make it like a, a in my mind, it's sort of like a jury. I mean, like a you know a trial. The jury is out there with the verdict. I just having like the two lawyers present the evidence. I really let them decide. I'm not going to go in there with this agenda. A lot of people go in with this agenda. I have to prove there is ghosts or disprove there is ghosts. I actually just kind of let the reader decide. So this is the evidence. This yeah. is what we have. It's up to you to make your own decision on that.
1: Yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. I like. I don't want to, everyone's belief systems are different. I hate to write a story that says, well, you know, this is the ghost, and this is what he did, and this is where he came from, and this is what ghosts are, (laughs) because it's like a thousand different things. So, um, no, I love that you take that approach.
2: Yeah, there really is no ghost, you know, no two ghost stories are really the same. You know, they're they're basically individual experiences, and people's individual experiences are all different.
0: No, you know, I've never heard of, I mean, I guess you're right as far as stories are concerned like that. Um, I mean, the thing about that, what I, what I think think about that is, you know, I do hear like legends, for example, right? Um, and I guess she, backing you up on that, they all have their own spin. However, I have heard what's funny is we've talked about this. There's been legends we've heard of from around the country where they it'll, it'll be a different story, right? Uh, as, far oh, yeah. as, as far as 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 far what's happened, the reason that it's happened, Amber?
1: Well, there's motifs, or like even more like in the urban legend realm where yeah. the urban legend sort of stays the same, um, but it changes from location to location to kind of adapt to the situation or the environment. But it might be a cautionary tale or, yeah, um, okay. you know, yeah. things like that. But, yeah.
2: Yeah, we, we have one of those in Ghost of the Cross Cities as well. Um, there's this... Uh, bridge which is called the cry baby bridge yeah and there's uh you know i thought oh this is a great story we went there and we took pictures of it and everything like that but when i started going doing a lot of research i found out there's like about a yep. dozen yep. Cry-baby bridges all around the country <laughs> having yep. the same kind of story and stuff like that so you know like i but said
0: I it's, the history is a, kind of a well you know and i'm not contesting what you said uh, I think the history is different, but I mean, it, I mean, why? Oh, yeah. I mean,
1: same same okay. kind of phenomena, but the hist like you said, the history can be can be altered a little bit, but the the premise of it's usually the same with what, the crybaby bridges. The baby was thrown in the water yeah. by the mother, you know, and well, then that okay at midnight we hear the cries, you know. That's like <laughs> you know, but something the phenomena
0: like that. itself, maybe there is only a handful of different kinds of phenomena. I mean, really, if you think about. Ghost stories and stuff like that. I mean, if you really, I mean, to, I mean, I know I'm probably we're probably scratching the the upper level this, but there's only a handful of different types of phenomena we know out there. Of course, there's the residual type thing, and then there's the actual apparitions we see, like a full, which is like you know whatever he wants to get. And then there's, I mean, what there's there's poltergeist activity. I mean, there's a lot of different little names for things, right? So so there's only a handful, in my opinion, of certain things you may see out there in the field. Uh, But what I think is interesting is yeah you may have similar things well people see this apparition of a woman in a dress at 12 o'clock every november 23rd or whatever uh and but the story and you may that you may see that in four or five different places in the country but the story in between all them four or five different places in the country may totally be different as a why that's happening on the 23rd of november i guess that's what i was thinking about right yeah i mean it's, it's right go ahead
2: Oh yeah. Uh I, I totally agree. Uh my first book I was in uh, uh Ghostly Tales of Route 66, the Resurrection Mary story is you know, one of the most famous roadside, you
3: yeah, know, yeah. female
2: hitchhiker ghost stories. But yeah, you see the similar girl wearing a white dress at midnight looking for a ride and disappears when they get to the destination. But yeah, all the local uh you know, flavor history, the way they tell it as just where it is at. And that's I think is the kind of the, the fascinating thing as well. Um it just you know, I I it go, I think it goes back to almost like the the campfire days. You know yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, the campfire yeah. and, you know the town ghost stories. And actually if you think about it, that whole tradition of the campfire ghost stories goes back to, you know, centuries. Like I you know, back in England and Germany, uh, during Christmas, in front of the uh, uh, fireplace, they would tell ghost stories, and so that you know, ghosts and fires have been around for a long, long time, and I think they'll be around for a long, long, long time after the after world, War, war, war ghost. Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, it's it's books like yours to keep those stories going, like we said. So, congratulations on that, and we look forward to seeing the new book also. And let me pull that name because I'm my, I can't remember anything. Erie, oh, Quad Cities, Erie, yeah. Erie, Quad Cities,
2: yes, Erie Quad Cities by Michael McCarthy and John Brasser Jr. And I like to throw I'll uh, throw uh, this out to uh, sure. you know people as well. John Brasser Jr. was on the season premiere this year of uh dead files. Oh, they, dead files he interviewed him as a local authority oh, cool. about uh things so, so i mean that's how much he uh, knows about history the, the dead files had a have him as uh what's the guy named steve Buscemi, the, the police officer he talks to different people he steve talked to uh john Brasser jr. about the the history of one of the dead files
0: very cool well, thank you again for taking some time to talk to us, Michael. We really, really, really appreciate it. And we'd love to have you back on again sometime.
2: Oh, I, I would love to be back. And next time I'll, I'll bring John along, I think. Have <laughs>
1: fun. Just <left> Sounds <laughs> great. <laughs> Ghostly Talk. Oh. Oh.
3: Oh.